Hey, pull out your message notes. I'm excited about today. I want to dive into the message, Moment Ready. It's our series that we've been talking about, and we're in week number three. Now, if you're new here, Moment Ready is all about seeing the most in every moment and making the most of every moment that we have. That It's about seeing the moments and then taking action in the moment and making the most of the moments that we're living in. And as a church, this is not just a slogan. What my desire is, is that it would be a way of life, that we train ourselves and develop our habits in such a way that we cultivated a moment-ready life, that everything we do, we say, God, I'm fully alive in this moment, and I'm ready to fully respond in this moment. God gives us all opportunities. God brings these divine opportunities into our life. Some are big, some are little, but they're always happening. And the truth is, it's not his responsibility to seize that moment. It's our responsibility to seize that moment. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. This is our theme verse. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise. So I don't want to live as an unwise person. The Bible says, no, don't, don't do that. But live as wise well, how do I live as wise? How do, I, how do I live with wisdom? And look, he goes on and he says, make the most of a couple of opportunities. Every opportunity. So if the Bible says to make the most of every opportunity, how many know it's possible to make the most of every opportunity? He's not going to set us up for something that's not possible. If he would have, then he would have said just occasionally when moments happen, just make the most of the most you can. Now, that's not what he said. What he said, he said, he said every opportunity that we're to make the most of it. Why? Because the days are evil. How many believe the days are evil? We're living in evil times. We saw that this week. And we understand that the, the, the times are going to get darker, but God's people are going to get brighter. There's going to be a polarization, and I believe one of the things that will mark God's people is the fact that when opportunity arises, we're moment ready. That there's a generation that has awakened from the slumber. That we haven't allowed the things of this world to pacify us, haven't allowed the things of this world to cause us to sleep and fall into slumber. We live moment ready. We live awake and say, God, I live fully alive to whatever you want to do in this moment. We live moment ready. Last week, we talked about what it means to live fully alive, and I really feel like that's a message that many of you grabbed a hold of. So many people came up and said, Pastor, wow, it touched me, because we cannot live fully alive apart from being alive in Christ. But even though many people have been made fully alive in Christ, we still don't allow ourselves to live fully alive. We, we don't realize that we've been forgiven from our past. We don't realize that in our lives we've been healed from our hurts. We, we don't realize that we've been freed from the addictions and so we fail to live up to what we've already obtained. If you missed last week, you missed it. I hope you go back and watch the video. I hope you go back and listen to the podcast. How many of you guys are enjoying your journal? Yeah. Woo-hoo! Been, been journaling. You know, it was a great week and we talked about that. Now today I want to talk about living moment ready with God. Live in moment ready with God, that God wants to show up, I believe, in a big way in your life. And if we're not careful, what I've seen is that we miss God moving in our life. We miss this divine moment. Then next week, I'm going to talk about how to live moment ready with people. 
uh, that each and every one of you have an assignment that God has placed you, handpicked you in the world that you're in, in the life that you're living, not just for us, but for those that are around you. And that there is this responsibility for us as Christians to live moment ready in our life for the world that is around us. Don't miss it. Also, I've got the biggest announcement we have ever announced in the history of our church, and I'm going to share it next week. And so make sure, make sure, make sure you're with us next week. You're not going to want to miss it. And then, of course, March 4th is our fifth year anniversary, our five-year anniversary. It's going to be amazing. Don't want to miss those two weeks. You've got to mark your calendar. Now, today, when we're talking about Moment Ready with God, the, the title of the message is Divine Interruption. Divine Interruption. See, we find ourselves today in a society that I believe is experiencing a crisis of belief. A crisis of belief. See, when I was growing up, and some of you who are my age, we understood what it meant that most people went to church. It was an assumption. I remember growing up in, in school, and though kids might have misbehaved, most of them still went to church. Though they may not have lived as Christians during the week, most of them were in some form of church on the weekends. People still believed in God. We still as a country had Judeo-Christian values. And so we believed the, the whole letters on the dollar that say, in God we trust. It wasn't just words on a piece of paper. It was what we lived in our hearts. But now today we have a crisis of belief. There seems to be a rare occasion when you find someone in society and in our culture that actually believe that God is real, much less that he cares, much less that he is intricately involved in our lives. If they believe he's real, they think he's aloof. If they believe he's out there, they don't believe he really cares about you. If he did, how could things happen like in Parkland, Florida? God doesn't care. He's somewhere out there. And what we have to do is first, before we ever talk about divine interruptions, we've got to address the misconception that God doesn't care. God does care. God loves you. He cares about the details of your life. He cares what you're walking through. He cares about your struggles. He cares about the trials that you face. He cares about when people talk about you. When people do bad things to you, God passionately cares about you. God cares about your wins. God cares about your successes. He cares about your triumphs. He cares about all the things in your life. God cares for you. Now, it's also important to know that God is everywhere at all times. We call this omnipresent. So it's not like God is with me, and when he's with me, he's not with you. No, the amazing thing about God is that God is everywhere at all times. He's omnipresent. So in every person's life, in every part of this world, in every facet of what you're experiencing, you've got to know God is there. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you're going, no matter what is happening, I need you to know that God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. So in your life, look, whatever you're walking through, you may feel abandoned, but you've got to say to yourself, God, you are with me. That throughout my day, throughout my series of events, throughout the moments and circumstances, God, you are with me. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Now this is God speaking and to Joshua, and it's really a principle that we see all throughout the Bible. He says, be strong and courageous. 
Well, I don't feel like being strong and courageous. No, no. He didn't say feel strong and courageous. He said, well, how can you be? You can only be strong and courageous when you know that God I know, not, not just in my head, but God I know in my heart that what? That you are with me wherever I go. That wherever I go. So you want to be strong and courageous when you're walking through your day. How am I full of courage? How am I full of strength? you got to know that God is with you wherever you go. And when you know that, not just in your head but in your heart, it gives you courage. It gives you boldness. You walk through your life a little bit differently. You have a little pep in your step. Even if bad things are happening, you're like, yeah, 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 devil, you're defeated. Yeah, I'm walking through this hell, but I'm not going to stay there. I'm walking through the valley of shadow of death, and God has never left me in the valley of the shadow of death. God is with me. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a principle. God's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Now, I want to talk to you more than just about God being omnipresent. I want to talk about the occasions when God interrupts your life. When God interrupts what's going on, we call them divine interruptions. It's like God's always with me, but how many know there are moments where God moves in my life and it's supernatural? Like it's a course correction. Everything seems to change. And there's this moment that I can go back to that moment and say, from that divine moment, God shifted me. God changed me. Maybe your perspective of God changed. Whatever it is, it's a divine interruption in your life. It's a pivotal moment that you experience. And so maybe it's a word that you hear from God. Maybe God speaks something to you in your heart. I had one of these moments, and I've had a lot of these moments, but this one, I'm in South Africa, it's 2012, and I'm out there leading a mission trip with some radical young teenagers going into the slums of South Africa. We're doing ministry, we're hugging people, we're helping people, we're building some, some facilities that are going to house more ministry in the future. We're praying for people, we're walking up and down the streets, and in the morning we would get up and... I'm up early in the morning reading my Bible and worshiping God and all of a sudden, not expecting it, but all of a sudden God drops a word into my heart. He says, transition, transition. Just a word dropped in my heart. And then I felt like just God was saying, didn't hear it audibly. I'm not saying I, I've heard his voice. Actually, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I heard just the spirit of God speak to me a year of transition. What happened? God is interrupting my life. He's always with me. But in this moment, something impacted me so much. I wrote it down, came back from South Africa, told my wife, I said, baby, I don't know what it means, but I really felt like the Lord spoke to me that this is going to be a year of transition. It was a divine interruption. It was just a word that he spoke into my heart. God can place a dream inside of your heart. It's a divine interruption. Something that's placed in there that wasn't there before, but now for whatever reason, even if it was, it's come alive and it begins to shift the course of your life. After I heard the word divine, uh, year of transition, I walked into a meeting three months later, not knowing what that word meant, and I was in a conversation with my pastor that I was serving at the time at his church. And through the conversation, through the voice of one I was submitted to, God dropped a dream in my heart. So God used the voice of a man to speak to me as God. 
that he spoke into my heart and he unlocked this dream in 2012. You want to know what the dream was? Planning a church in Rosenberg, Texas. A dream in my heart. I didn't think I'd be a church. Some people wake up saying, I'm going to be a pastor and I'm going to plant a church. That wasn't me. I was this my whole life. God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I'm here to serve you. And all of a sudden, God spoke to me, a divine interruption in my life, and he drops a dream in my heart. Sometimes divine interruptions are moments where God supernaturally meets a need in your life. Anybody ever had God do that? There's a need in your life, and maybe it's a financial need, and all of a sudden you hadn't told anybody, you've been praying about it, and all of a sudden someone comes and hands you a check or gives you the exact amount of money you need to pay the bill that nobody knew was due but God. It's a divine interruption. God's meeting the need in your life. Phyllis and I have had this happen on multiple occasions. Don't tell anybody. I'm not asking anybody. I'm not soliciting. How many know the holy hint? I'm not talking about holy hints and, and manipulation. I'm talking about, God, you know my need. God, you are my provider. I'm not looking to other people. And bam, all of a sudden, someone walks up and fills the need that you know only God sent them to do. It's a divine interruption. It's a, it's a moment. It's a time where God is breaking into what is natural. Maybe it's a time where you experience healing in your physical body. I can't tell you how many people have been prayed for here and physical healing has taken place in their body. Cancers have been healed. I don't know if you know that or not. Have been healed by people laying hands on people in this place. Maybe it's emotional healing or spiritual healing. It's a moment where God steps out of the eternal and breaks into the natural. And healing takes place like only God can do. It's a divine interruption. A divine interruption. We have to know that one encounter with God can change everything. One encounter with God Almighty can change everything in your life. And I believe this, that every one of us, we have the potential to experience these God moments. I believe that every one of us, God wants to interrupt your life. Listen to me. Sometimes you can think, well, that's good, Pastor. That's you. And I'm going to tell you stories of what God has done in my life. I would say this. God is no respecter of person or position or title. God is respecter of those that are aware in the moments. God is, he, he's waiting for people to say, oh, oh, God, I sense you're doing something. I'm going to make myself available in these moments because the awareness of what God's doing sets us up for what God wants to do. And that you have the potential to allow God to interrupt your life. And many of you, you've already experienced that. God has interrupted your life in a big way. You know exactly what I'm talking about. This is what I would say. It didn't stop there. God wants to do it more in the future. Divine moments, divine moments. I'm going to give you summaries of three examples of people in the Bible that have had divine moments. And I just, I'm not going to stay there long, so I want you to go back and study it throughout the week. That's what your message notes are for. But I want to pull out a few things. And then at the very end, I'm going to give you just two quick thoughts of how to live moment ready. The first example is Moses. Moses is a man, now check it out, he encounters God at work. I know you probably didn't think of it this way. You probably heard the story a lot of times, and you're thinking, well, he has this encounter with God. It's at a burning bush, and he does. But let me just explain what Moses is doing. Before we do that, I want to set the background. Moses is one of the 
pivotal figures in the Old Testament. He was adopted by Pharaoh, the, the Pharaoh of Egypt. Uh, and so he is raised in Pharaoh's house, but at the age of 40, he goes and kills an Egyptian who is oppressing a Hebrew slave. slave. Now, Moses was a Hebrew, so he related to the Hebrew, even though he was adopted by the Egyptian. And so in this, God is doing something inside of him, and he sees injustice, and instead of leaving it in God's hand, he takes it in his own hands, and he murders the Egyptian. Word spreads out. Moses flees. He goes out to the wilderness. He's 40 years old when he leaves. And the Bible shares with us that he was out in the wilderness for another 40 years. So now Moses is older. Anybody 80 years old, you know what I'm talking about. You're mature. Come on, things get better with time. Moses is out there and he's just, you know, he's getting better with time. And he's, he's now married and he's tending sheep with his father-in-law and he's out working the field. And look at what happens. I want to just briefly touch on it. It says, I, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. How many know if an angel shows up in a bush, I'm freaking out. Sounds good in the Bible, but I'm freaking out. Moses sees this. Look, and though the bush was on fire, he realizes, look, that bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. Something supernatural is happening. Even if it's something like a mirage, he's like, man, something is happening supernaturally. So he thought, look, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. He's a much better leader than me because that is not what I would have done. I would not have walked towards it. I would have walked away from it. But he says, why didn't it burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, so there's an interruption of time. Look at it. He is working, but he is attentive that something divine might be happening. Somehow there was this awareness of, and he wasn't too busy in his life. There was margin in his life. That God begins to do something that is unusual. It's outside of the norm. I think we miss God because we don't look for the things that are outside of the norm. And when we see them, we're like, well, that's just an inconvenience. No, baby, it might be a divine interruption. And look, he says, when the Lord saw this, that he'd gone over, God calls to him from within the bush and says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says what? Here I am. What happened? Moses allowed God to interrupt his work. Moses allowed God in that moment when God called out, Moses says, look, here I am, God. I'm ready. I don't know what's going to happen, but I am your man, your man. And so what I would propose is this. We must learn to live moment ready with God at work. That at work, God could break out. Now, I get it. Look, people think, well, look, I expect God to move while I'm praying. I expect God to move when I'm worshiping. I expect God to move on a Sunday morning in a church service. I'm moment ready right now. And it's awesome because guess what? God does move in those moments. Like God does speak to us in those moments. But if we live our lives in these boxes that say, okay, church is this. God, you can move here. Work is this. Don't really interrupt that because I'm really busy. But I'll meet you back on Sunday. What happens is we're going to miss the divine moment that could shift everything in our life. We miss it because we've, we've, we've relegated our spirituality to a Sunday. You've got to know this. Spirituality has nothing to do with an event. Spirituality has to do with who you are. 
You are spiritual. So that means when you go to work, it's a spiritual event. That means in that place, they can cuss all they want. They can down degrade God. They can make fun of Christianity. It doesn't matter. When you walk in, you're not a thermostat. You're a thermometer that is adjusting the atmosphere because you are a spiritual being. You are spiritual. God never separated what you do from who you are. And so we recognize that. And when you do, what happens is when you go to work tomorrow, you're going to say, God, I'm moment ready. Don't know what's going to happen. But just like Moses, while I'm at work, I'm expecting you to do something and to break in to my environment. I want you to know this. Your job is an assignment that God is using to build influence for your mission. Your job is an assignment that God is using to build influence for your mission. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Every one of you have an assignment. That's your vocation. That's where you focus 40 hours of your week on. Did you know you'll end up working 10 and a half years in your life? God didn't intend for you to waste those 10 and a half years. You're on an assignment. What are you doing? You're building credibility. What do you mean? That means when people see you, they see Jesus. That means when bad things happen, they're watching the way you respond. So every response you give, you're building influence. You're either building it or you're deteriorating it. And God is saying, look, I want you to build influence. Why? Because you're on mission. What's the mission? To preach the gospel to every man, woman, and child. That is your mission. It's the great commission. Go into some of the world. Go into all of the world and preach the gospel. Yeah, but pastor, I'm not a preacher. No, no, he, I never saw in there where he said preachers. Do you know what preaching is? Preaching is proclaiming the greatness of God. So wherever you go, can you talk about how good your God is? Can you talk about what he's done in your life? Can you talk about how he's provided for you in the midst of lack? Can you talk about how he saved your family, got them off of drugs, they're out of jail, they're serving God? Can you proclaim the greatness of God? That's your assignment. And when you live on your assignment, you build the credibility, I promise you, the invitation to get people to come to church, the invitation for them to become converts, it will eventually happen because you've built credibility at your work. God wants to move on your job. The second thing is this, Samuel. Here's another example. just want to give you a couple of examples. Samuel, he encounters God in recreation. He encounters God in recreation. Now Samuel, so Moses is 80 years old. Samuel is 11 years old. So Samuel's a teenager. Listen to me, teenagers. God speaks to him in such a powerful way while he was resting. It shapes the future of God's people. That in the fact of rest, in, in, in recreation, he is sitting there laying and he's being mentored by a priest named Eli. Now, Samuel had been dedicated to the work of the Lord. His parents said, look, I'm going to dedicate them to the work of the Lord into the temple. But you can do the work of God and never hear the voice of God. You can get busy with religion and never be open to hearing what God wants to speak in your life. Just because you're physically present doesn't mean you're spiritually aware. And so Samuel is resting. He's relaxing. And God begins to speak to him. And look in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3. It says, Samuel was laying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. So he's in the right place. You're in the right place if you're here this morning. It says, then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli. So his, his voice 
or his hearing was not tuned to God's voice. So he hears this voice that says, hey, Samuel, Samuel. And he says, look, here I am. He goes out to Eli, who's the one mentoring him. And Eli says, look, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. So he went to lay down, and again the Lord called to him, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. So his ear hasn't been trained, but he hears a voice. And now Samuel, look, now my son Eli said, I didn't call you, go back and lay down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down. If he calls to you, say, speak, Lord, for I am listening. So Samuel went to lay down in this place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. I believe God wants to give us divine interruptions in rest. Maybe it's leisure. Maybe it's when we're out in relaxation and recreation. And what we've got to do is it's okay to enjoy those things, but we have to be aware that when God is speaking, if we're going to live moment ready, we respond, God, here I am, speak to me. i never forget in 2009, it's February 7th, for some reason God moves in a profound way in my life on February 7th. I've had three profound encounters on February 7th. And this is one of those encounters. I'm exhausted. I was on staff at a church and been working lots and lots of hours. Phyllis and I have two young kids at the time. It's Caden and Carson. Didn't have our little small tribe of four as we do today. And Phyllis was going to a woman's, women's conference with some of the other pastors. We were on staff at a church, and I'm at the house. And she says in such a majestic way, Hey, baby, I'll take the boys with me. Her women's conference is in Beaumont, so how many know I am shouting for joy? I'm like, praise them, saints. <laughs> She's going to the women's conference, which will be a couple of days, with our kids so they can go and see their extended relatives. Now, all of a sudden, I've got the house all to myself, and guess what I do? I don't pray. I don't fast. I don't do anything but go to sleep. Come on, somebody. So I go to lay down, and I'm thinking, praise God, today's my day. I'm going to lay down and rest. And I get in bed. I snuggle up, put the covers all up, and just kind of get in. That's not really what it looks like. A little dramatic for now. It's a little. But get in there, and I'm about to fall asleep. And all of a sudden, I feel and hear this voice, really just hear this voice in my head. says, get up. I want to show you something. And I thought at first, that is just the devil. Like, I, I just, there's no way in this one moment. Like, how many know when you got little kids, there's no time to rest? Like, I'm exhausted. The work of God. Please let me sleep. And all of a sudden, this voice, and I thought, well, you, you, that's, and I didn't really think it was the devil, but I thought, man, you're just making this up. You're trying to, that's so silly. And I laid there, and I'm like, man, I'm, whatever. I'm so spiritual. I just laid there, and I said, I'm going back to sleep. I'm going to lay down. And I heard it again. Just it went audibly, just in my heart, in my mind. It was, get up, I want to show you something. But the difference was, this time it got a little bit softer. And then I lay down, and I'm like, that's just crazy. There's no way. That's, I mean, anybody ever just felt lazy? I was feeling lazy, l -l lazy. I didn't want to get up. 
And I heard it again. This time it was so soft just in my head. It startled me. Get up. I want to show you something. And the way I interpreted that was, God, you're in this place. See, I didn't hear the audible words of God. But how many have ever felt God say, I want you to come pray? Why don't you come read your Bible? And in that moment, I got up, praise God, at, at three times. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. It took me a little while. I got up, and God began to reveal to me a plan about youth can lead, how to raise up an army of young people that will invade their schools, invade their culture, and bring the light of Christ everywhere they go. Youth can lead. And so I still, in my, just, I have this plan of what God's going to do. If, you know, now we're launching the church, and as this is more established, we're going to launch it out. My point is, God moved in a moment of rest. And here's the third example. Here's the third example. The woman with the issue of blood. She encountered God in a time of need. So she had a divine, you know, Moses has a divine interruption at work. Samuel has a divine interruption in, in recreation. She has a divine interruption, but it's in the moment of her need. Anybody got a need? It's amazing what can happen if we live moment ready, recognizing that God is ever present to meet our needs. Now, this story is about a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. So she struggled with this. The Bible's not exactly clear as to what it is. Scholars don't fully know what it is. But there was hemorrhaging in her body. And she was bleeding for 12 years. And what we do know is it says she gave all she had to the doctors, everything, and she still didn't get any better. In fact, the Bible records that she got worse. She did everything the natural people said to do, the doctors and natural medicine, and, and they couldn't help her. So now she's desperate. She hears about this man named Jesus and realizes that he heals the sick. And so we have this woman who's living moment ready. And it's interesting in the account, there's three different accounts. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke. I want to read Matthew's version and I'll share just a few thoughts. It says, just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, so she's desperate, Jesus is there. She's pressing through the crowd. If you go back and study this, the crowds are everywhere. People are thronging to Jesus. And so that means she had to fight her way. Fight her way through the crowd. Fight her way through the mess. Fight her way through the harassment of what maybe people were saying. People pushing her and shoving her. And she's thinking to my mind, if I can just get to the hem of his garment, he will heal me. It's what her thoughts were. If I could only touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. He said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed in this moment. Now, what's interesting about this example, and I wanted to illustrate it and show it, is that she is the one that interrupted God. Think about that. The other one's God came and interrupted people. This is one where she actually interrupts heaven's divine assignments. So Jesus wasn't walking to heal this lady. Jesus was going to heal and raise from the dead a young girl who was 12 years old, someone who was religious. His daughter died, and Jesus is going on an assignment to raise from the dead this girl that was dead. And yet this woman, understanding the moments and living moment ready, she interrupts heaven's assignment, and she receives 
her miracle. See, the crowd came to see, but she came to receive. Lots of spectators in church. I just want you to, lots of people come in and just, they're kind of seeing what it's all about. What you got to do is you got to say, I didn't come to see, baby. I came to receive. Huge difference. Huge difference. One is moment ready and one is not. And so she presses in. She's moment ready. She expected to receive a miracle from God. And you've got to know this. The miracles come in moments. The divine moments. Just this moment or that moment. When's it going to come? I don't know. But I'm expecting it to come. I don't know when it's going to happen. But I'm going to live moment ready. Expecting God to do whatever I'm asking him to do. To meet the need that only he can meet. Moment ready, just, just moment ready. So I want us to just see those are three different situations where we live moment ready with God. Three different types of people, three different ages of people, three different situations and circumstances. So the question we have to say is, am I living moment ready? Right? This is, this is the part where we ask the question to ourselves. Am I living moment ready with God? Am I, am I looking for opportunities that God would break forth in my life? Am I constantly saying, God, I don't know if this is you, but, but I'm looking for you. I'm willing to go in and investigate situations and circumstances. Am I aware that God is here right now in this place? I want us to live moment ready. I just have two brief thoughts that help us live moment ready when God shows up. The first one, no matter what I'm doing, what, no matter what situation I'm in, I've got to look for God to interrupt my day. Got to look for it. I got I to I say, God, I'm looking. I'm, 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 I'm looking to see where you might move in my life. There's an awareness that you could interrupt my day at work. You can interrupt my resting. You can interrupt my leisure and my playing. You can interrupt my praying. You can interrupt my need that God throughout the day, I'm looking for you. God, would you interrupt my day? God, would you allow this divine interruption to take place that no matter what moment I'm in, no matter what situation I find myself in, I'm living with expectation. God, I expect you to do it. I, I, I expect you to do it. And what I've learned is that we find what we're searching for. It's an amazing thing. When you're looking for something, you tend to find it. When you're looking for the best in people, how many know you tend to find the best in people? When you're looking for the worst in people, how many know you tend to find the worst in people? It's kind of like buying a car. Anybody ever bought a car? I know this illustration. Many of you have heard it. If you buy a car, maybe it's used or brand new, it doesn't matter, it's new to you. Now, before you buy the car, or truck, whatever it is that you drive, I mean, no, you really didn't see it out on the road. You, you just, you're kind of oblivious. It's not that it's not out there, you just don't see it. Then you go buy the vehicle that you're driving. I mean, no, when you buy it, now all of a sudden you see your vehicle everywhere. So I, I didn't even know they all drove, drove as cool of a car as I had. I thought I was the only one that had this paint job. That little stripe down the side, them rims. No, no, they've been everywhere. You're just now aware. That's what I would say about God. God is everywhere, but you have to now be aware. Oh, God, that's you moving. Oh, see, somebody did something nice to you. You thought they were just being nice. No, no, God moved on their heart 
to do that for you because he loves you. And when you're aware of it, you're like, oh, God, I love you so much. You use people to make an impact on my life. We begin to see the hand and footprint of God everywhere, interweaved through the fabric of every moment of our life. Why? Because I'm looking for God. I'm looking for you, God. See, expectation gives your mind a new set of eyes with which to see the world around you. Expectation, God, give me these fresh eyes, these new set of eyes so that I can see the world more clearly that is around me. And I believe this, God wants to interrupt every one of your lives. I believe it. I believe this week you're going to find God's going to move in a way that you've never experienced before. Not because he's never been moving, but now you're fully alive and you're fully aware. God, move in my life. Can we just begin to expect God to move? Can we just expect, God, I want to see divine interruptions? God, I just expect you to do what only you can do. Here's the last thing. When God initiates, you've got to respond. Seems so simple, but it's so complex. Why? Because we're fleshly beings. We have a body. We're so easily distracted. And just like me when I'm sleeping, I promise you for the one time that I responded to God, there's about 20 where I didn't. Why? Because I didn't respond in the moment. When, when God initiated something, how many have ever said this? Yeah, 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 God, I'll get up. I'll just do it later. Yeah, yeah, God. I, I mean, I'll pray. Have you ever felt just the nudge of God to go read your Bible? You're like in the middle of your work day. You're like, I could get fired. He's like, I don't care. I'm telling you I'm about to do something. And that something might be the miracle that your job needs for the breakthrough that they need to experience. And you're the key. You're the linchpin. You're the one God wants to use. Why? So you could be famous? No, so he could be famous. But it's like, oh God, no, 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 I can't go do that. I need, I'll do it later. Speaks to you to go love someone and, and you say, yeah, but I'm going to do, yeah, yeah, but in that moment, there'll be a divine interruption that brings the breakthrough that he's trying to get to you. God, I'm going to just simply respond when you initiate in my life. I've realized this. It's our responsibility to respond to his divinity. God, that divine moment, it's my responsibility. Look at Moses. Moses didn't have to walk to the bush. Moses didn't have to go. Samuel didn't have to say, here, Lord, speak. You go through countless illustrations in the Bible. They didn't have to respond, but they chose to respond. God doesn't force his will on us. He invites us to be a part of it. He's not going to force himself on you. Look at Moses. He had to draw near. Samuel responds. Even the woman with the issue of blood, she is the one that initiated in that situation. And I love it on both sides. God, I'm going to be an initiator and I'm going to be a receiver. I'm going to close with this story. Phyllis and I, you know, we hadn't always been pastors. Hadn't always been in ministry. And Growing up, many of you have heard our story. We're, we're from a family of entrepreneurs. So Steve and I, we raised in restaurants. And at a young age, we started investing in real estate. And by the mid-20s, Phyllis and I had a restaurant. Had lots of employees, been married just a couple of years and things were going well at first. You know, you're successful. Life's good. You know, not, 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 nothing major is happening. But then all of a sudden, the pressure of life began to push us back and to push us down. And 
Instead of running to God, you know what we began to do? We began to run away from God. Ran away from church, ran away from the people that loved us. And just to cope with the pressure of life, and by this time, our marriage was a mess. Fighting, going down a dark path. Wasn't looking good for us, didn't look like there was a lot of hope. And that, that in itself, pretty depressed. I mean, you know, when you're only married for a couple of years, you're like, good Lord. I thought God was in this, and I thought, you know, I was raised in church. I didn't think it would be this hard, and the truth is what we began to do was we began to cope. The best way we coped was through drugs and alcohol. Medicate the pain. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just kind of medicate it, just, just trying to cope, trying to exist. And, you know, it didn't happen often at first. At first it was occasionally. Then it get to the weekends. If I know what I'm talking about, like, I'm, a, I'm good. I'm just going to do it on the weekend. And then it began all the time. How I many know you, you had to drink or be on drugs just to function? Really, what we were were high-functioning addicts. Wouldn't say that. Propensity for addiction, propensity of just the escape. Now, on the outside, it looked pretty good. You know, everybody, you got a restaurant, you got employees, you got things happening. But on the inside, I'd never felt... More hopeless. Being raised in church. How I many know you start to feel shame, <clears throat> guilt? We're not good enough. Nobody would ever want us. So we began to binge through days of binging, being up all night, taking drugs to stay up through the day, just high-functioning addicts. i never forget February 7th, again, February 7th, 2003, 14 years ago, 15 years ago. another night partying it's about midnight we're all getting dressed and hammered a bunch of people at the house I walk into the bathroom wasn't looking for God but God came looking for me I don't know what would happen except to say his presence was there, which is pretty weird because I'm not one of those religious high people. Like when I get high, I don't want to talk about God because I'm running from God. Anybody know those that get high, they like want to pontificate. (laughs) That wasn't me. But for this one moment, never happened before. I felt the presence of God. It was really interesting. God began to just stir my heart and I felt him just say, respond, just respond. And I saw this fork in the road and just one path and another. And I knew in this moment, it would be a defining moment. 
I wasn't looking for God. Wasn't in church. But in that moment, my spirit came alive. I, I felt there's hope. There's healing. The possibility of climbing out of the pit that I had fallen into. So I remember I, I ran to Phyllis. I don't know why I get so emotional. <clears throat> Run to Phyllis. Hey, God is here. Now she's laughing. She's like, what are you talking about, man? You're messed up. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, I know I'm messed up, but I'm telling you, God is in this place. And she must have seen. Something in my eyes. So I kicked everybody out. Kicked them all out. They were all mad. You're a buzzkill. You're this, you're that. And I kicked them all out. And Phyllis and I, in that moment, for five hours, had a visitation from never to be the same, a divine moment, a divine interruption. And from that moment on, so I can't explain it all. I thought I was saved before. I don't know. But from that moment on, we have never went back. We have never fallen away. That's why I'm so passionate about the lost. That's why I'm passionate about people coming to church or watching online when they're messed up. It's like, man, God can sober someone up in a second. He can shift everything. But what I realized was this. God didn't force that on me. I had to respond. And in that moment, just the response brought salvation to my life that changed my destiny and has literally changed Fort Bend County. One response. I wonder whose future will be impacted by your response. So you can see some of mine right here. It's you. You're sitting here. You're the seed of what God's done. Someone says, but I'm insignificant, Pastor. I, I don't really matter. I don't have a position. I'm not a pastor. No, no, no. That's in the natural. That's what you're looking at by yourself. What God can do, he could use you to speak one word. Maybe you speak to a person that you didn't even know had the destiny, but God raises them up to be an evangelist. They travel the world and millions of people give their life to him all because of your response to the divine moments and saying yes to God. We got to live moment ready. Got to live moment ready. That as a church, God, I live moment ready for you. Break into our day. Let me just pray over us. God, would you break into our day? God, would you break into our lives? God, moment ready with you. Moment ready with you. God, divine interruptions. Lord, stir us up on the inside that God, each and every one in this place, God, I believe you've been moving, but God, would you help them be aware of your moving in their life? God, that we respond. We say, yes, 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 Lord, whatever you want to do, we respond. That's the super invading our natural, that God, we say, yes.
Help us be aware of it. Help us to see you at work through the fabric of our lives, through each and every event, through each and every circumstance, that nothing happens by accident. And God, there are those in this place, they feel like you left them. You have never left them. You've never forsaken them. Let them feel your presence. Touch them. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I wonder if you're in this place and you know, I talk about what God did in my life, and I don't think it happens like that for everyone, but I do believe everyone has the moments where they respond to God in a way that they say, God, I surrender my life to you. I put my trust in you to save me. That it's not by works, but it's by grace through faith. It's by faith through grace. Lord, we think every one of you have to have that moment. Every one of you have to have that point where you say, God, I give you everything. It's not about what I've done in the past. You forgive that. But in this moment, I give you everything. I surrender. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there are those of you in this place right now that's you. You say, Pastor, I'm ready to give him everything. I'm ready to live moment ready with him. I'm ready to respond. Even now in the, the drawing of him to me, I'm ready to say yes. If you'd be bold enough just to raise your hand, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray a prayer over you, but I'd love to see who I'm praying with. And just as an act of surrender, say, that's me, Pastor. Right now, I'm ready to surrender my life to him. Just raise your hand up high. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm gonna, I see your hands all over this place. Man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud. Put your hands down. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer just this moment, this act of surrender. We just say this together. Say, Jesus, I need you. Save me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash the past away. Fill me with your spirit. I surrender everything to you. I give it all away. My hopes, my dreams, my future. I leave it in your hand. And right now, I confess you as my Lord. We thank you for this. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, worship God.